Father in America podcast by Simon Javano Kelly live from Seattle, Washington, USA. Excellent. Thank you for joining me for another amazing episode of the African Father in America podcast. My name is Simon Javan Okelo. I am in Seattle, Washington, uh, and uh, I, you know I'm supposed to have a guest today, but the guest has not joined us. So as soon as the guest joins us, uh, you know it will be wonderful. But for now, it will just be me sharing with you uh, the proverb of the day and also sharing with you uh, the three nuggets of wisdom related to today's proverb uh let me know where in the world you are joining me from uh, as i said i am in seattle washington and i love uh, bringing you uh, ancestral african wisdom every single episode of the african father in america podcast is uh, primarily grounded on african proverbs and three nuggets of wisdom and stories of our guests and updates about what's going on uh, especially in the world of Simon Java Nokelo, where I share with you a lot about Madaraka Festival. I talk to you about what's going on in the community, especially here in Seattle, Washington, in the African diaspora community across the U.S., and also what's going on uh, back in the motherland, back in Kenya, and um, you know, and other parts of the continent. So, uh, our proverb today is beautiful. I am going to add it to your screen in just a moment. While I do that, please let me know where in the world you're joining us from. Uh, let me know in the chats down there. And uh, also let me know what you think of the proverb that I just added to the screen. The witness of a rat is another rat. The witness of a rat is another rat. In this episode of a fear podcast, we are going to explore, uh, you know, the meaning of this intriguing Ethiopian uh, proverb. Uh, it says again, the witness of another rat, the witness of a rat is another rat. What does this bring to your mind? You know, join us now and also every single uh, Monday to Friday, 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for these amazing conversations. Uh, and uh, I think I have my guest here, so just give me a moment. Just give me a moment. Hey, Rob, how are you? One moment. Rob, how are you doing? I see you, I think you're muted. So I will unmute you. Okay, hold on. Uh, there you go, there you go. How are you doing today, Rob? Hello, hello, can you hear me? I hear you very well. I hear you very All well. All right. Okay, I can yeah. hear you now. Yeah, thank you for making the time. Oh, of course. I'm so sorry I'm a few minutes late. Oh, no problem, no problem. Uh, I was just beginning the show, so you just made it on time. You're not late at all. Uh, so those who are meeting Great. Rob for the first time. Rob, can you tell me the best way to pronounce your last name? I just want to make sure I'm pronouncing it correctly. Yeah, Eshman. Eshman. Ah, perfect, perfect. So Rob Eshman is an incredible writer, scholar, 
filmmaker and educator and is based in Chicago and is also associate professor of social work and a member of the Data Science Institute at Columbia University. Welcome to the uh, Afia podcast, African Father in America podcast. How are you doing today? Just briefly say hello before we begin uh, the rest of the show. Hello, hello. I'm doing well today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have a conversation with you. Excellent, excellent. Wonderful, wonderful. I can't wait to, you know, go deeper into your story in a moment here. But for now, I want us to start the conversation with an amazing African proverb. Uh, this is from Ethiopia. It says that the witness of a rat is another rat. The witness of a rat is another rat. So I'm going to share a few nuggets of wisdom in regards to this proverb. And then, Rob, I'm going to ask you what you think it means to you. Uh, and then from there, we are going to jump into other parts of our conversation today. Uh, I see quite a few people have joined us on uh, YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the channel and also push the, the bell button, you know, the, the notification so that when we are live next time, you can also catch uh, the Afia podcast conversation. But most importantly, make sure you comment with your own thoughts of, on our conversation with Rob today. Um, now, the first nugget of wisdom in relation to this proverb that says that the witness of a rat is another rat. This uh, proverb is uh, advising us that we should embrace the value of relatable witnesses. You know, those who've worked and worked alongside us know us the most. Uh, and so their voices and uh, what they think about us is very, very important. And then number two, uh, credibility in kinship. Uh, this Ethiopian proverb is uh, reminding us that uh, the people that are around you they have the most power to tell the truth about you. And so you should seek endorsement, not from people who are too far. You know, a lot of the time, I do this sometime too. You know, I'm on social media, you know, building a network, but my wife and kids are right there. They see me every day. They see how I react to little things every day. Uh, and those are the people who really need to endorse you. Those are the people who really need who know you very well, not the people on social media, not even your colleagues at work. So, um, you know, your behavior within your the, the, the circles of the people that you love the most is really critical. That's what this proverb is telling us. And then uh, finally, our final uh, nugget of wisdom says that, um, you know, there are those friends and uh, neighbors and community members who have seen you struggle, who you've gone to seek help from. And those are the people who can also stand up for you when you need it the most, you know. And so this proverb is really, really encouraging us to look around us before we go too far. Uh, but Rob, when we sent this proverb to you, uh, what is it that came to your mind? You know, I think I'm, I'm learning from you and I had a, I had a different interpretation. I think um, for me growing up, a rat is the animal that has a very negative connotation, right? It can mean uh, a snitch. It could, right, it's, a, it's kind of a dirty animal when, you know, I'm living in New York and we see rats everywhere and, you know, on the street when they're on a trash day and it's just not pleasant. And so I, I thought that it more was referring to um the right like the the ways that that um this, this idea of of judging folks for um 
you know, behavior that we may not agree with and, and but realizing that if you are, um, that, that, that part of, part of doing that means that we are in that space with them. Um, and I, and I don't, I don't know, I don't think that my interpretation is right. So I think I'm learning from your interpretation here where I appreciate this idea of, of, you know, kind of recognizing your community. Um, and I think that, that that's definitely a helpful nugget. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, so I see that uh, another incredible podcast has joined us and is watching the show. Kiden, uh, thank you so much for joining us. It means a lot. And to everybody else who is joining us, make sure you're commenting like Kiden just did so that we can also give you a shout out uh, and, uh, you know, re recognize your presence. Uh, but importantly, engage with the proverb for the day and let us know what you think about it. Now, uh, Rob, you know, I see that you're also faculty, associate faculty at Harvard's uh, Bachman Klein Center for Internet and Society. You have so many accomplishments. And, uh, you know, earlier I was also introducing you as a scholar, writer, filmmaker, and educator. But uh, one of the questions I love asking my guests is to take us back, you know, uh, at a time when you're maybe eight years old, 12 years old. Uh, to an event that happened that inspires who you are today, uh, you know, as an educator, you know, someone who is changing people's minds. I share a story about how when I was eight years old, my mother um, gave me a bicycle and asked me to help her distribute milk and bread in our neighborhood in Kisumu, Kenya. I grew up in a very rough neighborhood. And uh, those years formed who I am today, the discipline to wake up and do a show at 6 a.m. in the morning over the last three years, uh, the discipline to produce uh, the biggest African festival in the U.S. now, Madaraka Festival, uh, you know, and just the, 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 the drive to continue trying no matter how challenging it is came from those years. I want you to share with us a similar story of what really drives you today. Yeah, yeah, man. So I love that story. And I think that for me, the, it also starts with my mother. And, and what I would point to would be times when I was young, where my mother would read to my sister and I before bed. Um, and, and every night we, we there was like a book that she would be going through. And it, I, I have these memories of my mother reading to us and then falling asleep as she's reading. Hey, and my sister and I. Yes. Uh, there's something that seems to be going on with with your headphone when you speak can you can you just can you continue but it seems like uh, let's try without headphones for a second just for a second uh, i'm talking i'm talking into a microphone oh, and then my headphones are just for my my audio uh i see i see okay uh so, i don't know why there is that echo try one you're more hearing time. echo now yeah i wonder if it's on my side let me let me check the settings bar. Yeah, it looks like I'm using the Yeti microphone. It's perfect now. The, oh, it's better now. It's perfect now. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. So um, I was saying that you know I think I love that your story starts with your mom and mine does as well. And one of the things that stands out to me is, is really impacting who I became is is the time that my mother would spend reading to my sister and I. And I just have these memories of her reading us the Chronicles of Narnia, making it through the series of six or seven books. Um, and then, you know, she would read and she would fall asleep while she's reading. 
And then my sister and I would play on the bed, jumping around until she would wake back up and then keep on reading. And that's just kind of a nightly routine that we had that I, I think really inspired my love of, of stories and of the written word. And so now, right, I think that, you know, I, reading and writing and thinking critically, that, that's my that's my job. That's what I do. My little sister is an author who's written five children's books, Reese Eshman. And so it's, it's just something that I, I really point to those moments of my mother instilling a love of stories in us. Um, that really, you know, um, kind of directed, you know, what, what, it, where it is that we would land, um, without knowing, you know, that that that, that was something that was more than just a um, kind of a fun family activity in the evening. I love that. I love that. Uh, I'm a father of three daughters, and a lot of the time, almost all of them always ask me, "Daddy, read for us today again." You know, they love just just the way you've shared it is beautiful and. It makes me want to do it again because now I know that when they're grown ups, it might impact them this way. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, yeah, beautiful, beautiful. So, you know, um, I just want to continue on with our conversation. I see there are more people joining us on YouTube, but we're also live on Twitter, on X, we are live on LinkedIn and Facebook. So, wherever you are, just make sure. You know, you're engaging with the conversation and leaving us with your comments so that we know what you're thinking. Uh, Rob, you know, I want us to continue on. And, um, you know, I know that your sister is now an author. You have a lot of uh, students that uh, you currently, uh, you know, support. I want you to imagine that you're talking to a group of, you know, students in Africa. You know, you've taken a journey to Africa and you're sharing with them you know, your accomplishments uh, and they want to know your biggest accomplishment in this moment, uh, whether it's a project that you current, you recently uh, released, whether it's a book, uh, you know, share with us. Yeah, yeah. I think for sure my biggest accomplishment to date has to be my, my new book, When the Hood Comes Off, Racism and Resistance in the Digital Age. It's a book about the ways that technology is changing how we experience, understand, and respond to racism. Um, this is a book that was based on eight years of research, interviews with you know, more than 80 students in five different cities around the country, survey of thousands of people, and, and, and analysis of millions of tweets over a 10-year period looking at trends and how people talk about race online. Um, and so it's a, it, the book was a huge undertaking, but a very personal project that I made sure, even though it was data-driven, is also story-driven and it's human-centered. Um, and so I'm very excited to have have that book out in the world. And, and I think it, you know, I, I did what I, you know, what I set out to do in terms of, of wanting to tell a comprehensive story of how the, you know, the Internet and online communication is changing the way we, we experience race every day. Wow, that's beautiful. Do you have a copy of the book with you right now by any chance? Uh, you know, I can go grab one from the other room. Do that? <laughs> yeah, up. please. Yeah, please. And think about right. the excerpt that you want to uh, read for us from the book. And uh, I'll, I'll engage our audience while you do that. We, I would love for you to show us the cover so that we kind of feel the book. You know, I, I wish I had a copy of it and I could read it before our show today. So I think we have to do number two. You know, we have to do a okay. second interview very, very soon. Go ahead and grab it. Uh, Okay. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. yeah. Um, in the meantime, while Rob is grabbing the book, I just want you all to know that I deeply appreciate your presence. And uh, I just want to share today's proverb from Ethiopia 
the witness of a rat is another rat you know i would love for you to share in the comment what this proverb really means to you you know uh, rob shared with us what this proverb means for him and uh, i also shared uh, what this proverb means uh, for me i shared it with you all in the uh, in the beginning of the show today so um let me know what it means for you and also let me know where in the world you are joining us from uh, for today's episode of the afia podcast you know uh, i deeply deeply appreciate it if you haven't subscribed to the channel this is also a good time for you to do that so that you know that's one of the quickest ways you can support this incredible work that i am doing uh, wonderful thank you rob for you know uh, taking the time to do that show us the book and uh, <laughs> uh, read for us your yeah. favorite excerpt oh i love it nice 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 when the hood comes yeah. off when the nice. hood comes off and so you can see that the cover design is this image of a ku klux klan hood which is the you know maybe the the, the biggest symbol of racism in the United States. Um, but then it also here, right, we can see silhouettes of people who are engaging in activism. And so what I, what I wanted the, the, um, the cover to show is that, right, this is not just a book about racism, this is also a book about resistance. And I think that, that I spend a lot of time talking about how racism has changed, how expressions of racism has changed, but then in the second half of the book, it's all about the fight. And it's about the way that the young folks of color, black folks are using digital tools in order to challenge racism in new and innovative and exciting ways. And so um, that, you know, the, the cover image is, is you know, is special for me. And um, if you want me to read, read a piece, I think I'll start by talking through some of the book themes, which will explain even more kind of what, where I'm coming from um, with this, this image, if that's okay. That's totally fine. Right. I would love that. All right. The Ku Klux Klan, with its white hoods and burning crosses, might be the most recognizable symbol of racism in the United States. The Klan is responsible for thousands of lynchings, beatings, shootings, and burnings of individuals, churches, businesses, and homes. The height of Klan activity took place during the Reconstruction and Jim Crow eras, a time when law enforcement was loath to protect black citizens from racist acts of terror. Still, Klan members chose to hide their faces behind those emblematic pointed white hoods. The hood was protective. It concealed the identities of the farmers, store owners, officers of the law, and clergy members who wore it, which kept them from being held responsible for the destruction of life and property orchestrated by Klan activity. For the past half century, racism has been hiding behind a more metaphorical hood, subtlety. The book begins by exploring the decreased visibility of racism in the post-Jim Crow United States. Today, formal discrimination is outlawed, overtly racist language is frowned upon, and racism largely operates through indirect and invisible mechanisms. This, I suggest, is racism under the hood or masked racism. This is the racism many of us have come to expect, the racism that scholars have spent decades uncovering, what David Williams calls the everyday discrimination that people of color experience in mainstream environments. It involves microaggressions that may feel too minor to be reported to the HR, but have major impacts on the lives of people of color, from health and mental health to experiences at performance or in performance at work and in school. Um, uh, and, 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 I, and I guess I'll stop there, right? So that's me talking about what it means to, right, what racism is under the hood. But the book is about when the hood comes off. So what happens when online racism loses its subtlety? 
when racism begins to show its face, when it's easier for people who may not have believed that racism was still a problem in society to uh, recognize it when you know they see racist comments online, when they see videos of racist violence being shared, and they, they have to then come to terms with the reality that the world is not what they thought that it was. And so the book is about racism becoming more visible through technology and how people respond to it how it changes their worldviews, their mindsets, and the ways that they you know, may decide to get involved in the fight against racism. Wow, this is, this is an important book, especially now, you know, it's very, very timely, uh, you know, especially now that also even AI, you know, AI is some, I, I think AI is racist to a certain extent, you know, uh, because you find that it, it, even me sometimes AI does not recognize my my accent you know <laughs> I remember sometimes we have Alexa in the house and if I ask Alexa to do something I'm telling you it's a fight you know <laughs> <laughs> but speak to speak to um, you know since you published the book you know uh, I imagine that you've probably received some racist resistance against this book because uh, you know uh, racists don't like people, especially people of color, to be educated, to be aware, to know what's going on. Uh, and even the institutions that, uh, you know, condone racism do not appreciate this kind of material, you know, because there's a saying that, you know, if you want, uh, if, if you want to, uh, you know, if you want to manage black people, you, you, you give them books, you know. Uh, I think I, I can't remember this exact saying, but it says that you, if you want to hide something from a black man, yes, put it in a book. Yes, 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 yes. Now speak to this for a moment. What are some of the challenges or the 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 the, the pushback? Yeah, that's the right word. The pushback that you have um, you have you have received since you published the book. Yeah, so I definitely have, have gotten a few emails from folks who are who, who dislike um, anything being publicized about racism. People who would who would suggest that um, you know we're making much ado about nothing, and that, that that the problem with racism is that people won't stop talking about it, and people who believe that if you stop talking about racism, it will go away. So I've definitely gotten those messages, but I think more of the issue is. Um, less pushback and more how do you get it in front of the right audience because who's going to pick up a book to read about racism it, right a lot of the times it's going to be people who uh, want to know more about racism and if you want to learn more about racism then that means that you're on the side of, of right being ready for growth um, but you know potentially um, and so the issue is with, with books about race like this is is what is their audience and how do you um, get these arguments in front of people who need to be convinced that racism is real, that racism is a problem, and who need to be recruited to the side of anti-racism. So that I think that that is a, a, one of the bigger issues, is when we have these types of conversations, often it's only like-minded people that show up. Um, and so, you know, this is something that, that I, I wrote the book in a way that, that is, is easy, right? I'm dealing with complex ideas and arguments, but I, I wrote it in a way that's easy to understand and easy to share. And I hope that people who read it will feel like they can, you know, use the, you know, some of these explanations in the book um, and conversations with friends and family members who may think differently about race than they do. Um, and, and, I, and, you know, it's, it's funny because one of the things I talk about in the book is that in person it can be difficult to have 
Hero. So you yeah. remember what you did to fix the audio earlier? Could you do it again? Uh, you said I actually, I didn't do anything. I think um, it, now now where you are is perfect. For some reason earlier, okay. there is there is um, there is you know when there is a loose wire and you're talking and you, you know that sound. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm, I'm looking at the wires it's here. It's perfect make sure now. My, it's my right now. It's perfect. Okay. Cool. Cool. All right. I'm glad we're back. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So carry yeah, on. You are uh, saying you spoke about getting the book to the right audience. Uh, carry on. Yeah, yeah. And I'll say that one of the things I talk about in the book is that how difficult it is to find spaces to talk about race and racism in uh, in face to face settings. And and you know, I had a uh, I have an example of of a student that I interviewed, a student of color who used some slang on a college campus, and a white student uh, didn't like that he used slang and said something to him about it. And his response was to was to you know want to challenge this idea that slang is not welcome on campus. But the white student just walked away and wasn't willing to have you know stay in that space to have this conversation. And so what this student of color did is he uh, made a post um, about the incident and put it on social media, and then that led to hundreds of comments and a week long conversation of people discussing race and slang and and you know belonging and microaggressions on a college campus. And so I think that this is this is you know one of the things that we find in the book is that while um, you know many people find that there are barriers to talking about race to challenging racism in face to face settings, they feel more comfortable and more empowered doing so online, where you have easier access to a community who you know they may not be there with you in the moment when an incident is happening but they can be there with you um you know digitally and, and support um and, and and help you process those types of incidents i love that i love that now uh share with us how uh you know anybody who is listening or watching uh the podcast episode today can get a copy of the book where can somebody go either to get a copy or to learn a little more about the book and then share with us how everyone who is joining us for the show can also stay connected with you. Yeah, of course. So, you, you know, the book is available on Amazon. You can order it online at Barnes and Nobles. Um, if you want to support your local bookstores um, you, you, and it's not on the shelves, you can ask them to order it and they'll be able to order it for you. So really, you can get this book wherever books are sold. Um, and then, you know, you can stay in touch with me on Twitter at Rob Eshman, on Instagram at Rob.Eshman, and then on uh, my website, RobEshman.com. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much. We just have a few minutes before we wrap up our time together today, Rob. Is there anything I did not ask you that you want to speak about? You know, I think that, that, that for me, the, the biggest thing that I want to leave people with is that Right. We are. Right, I think that we are in a moment where we are challenging the status quo, that the norm has been for the past you know, decades that race and racism cannot be talked about in mainstream spaces. It's limited to our spaces where as activist spaces, educator spaces, spaces where black folks and folks of color feel comfortable and technology is, is really changing that. And I think when we see some of these. Um, you know, uh, policies that are being proposed and implemented around the country to ban um, race education in schools, um, that this comes from a fear of what we've been doing and raising the national consciousness. So there we've, we've seen dramatic increases in the ways that different anti-racist terms are being used and discussions are being had on social media. 
And I want I want to encourage folks to know that that is making a difference and that is scaring the opposition, but also that online organizing and activism is not enough. And we have to find ways to take that momentum that we build in online spaces and use it to drive in-person organizing and activist work um, and, 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 you know, fighting for specific policy changes. I love that. Our conversation drew a lot of comments uh, and I want to just read some of them uh, and give a few people uh, shout outs before we wrap up our conversation here today. Uh, Keaton is saying here, you know, greeting Simon and Afia podcast family uh, and says great insights and also says that um, she loves that uh, the book is data driven, but also storytelling driven. I love that. Uh, and uh, Joanne is joining us from Nairobi, Kenya. I wanted to say, Rob, that you should get this book also to uh, Africa, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe we could email and talk about how some copies could get to uh, book clubs and libraries and places that people enjoy reading in Africa because uh, racism is not talked about in Africa. So a lot of African people who are moving here in, in droves they really face challenges because they don't uh, educate themselves about racism uh, before they come to America. They educate themselves about the opportunities financially that they can get when they come here. And uh, they think of America as a place of greener pastures, which it is. But uh, racism impedes this progress that uh, a lot of our people see that they could get in America. So I want you to speak to that as we close, but uh, just a big shout out to Joanne, who is a, a lawyer and economist and has been a, a guest here on the show before. And um, she says that, uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, thank you, Rob, for sharing your work with the globe. And she said so many other things, uh, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll leave it for you who is watching to read some of these incredible comments here that Joanne has shared with us. Again, Rob, uh, any comments on my last sentences before we close? Man, I would love to stay in touch and figure out a way to get the book to Africa. I think that that would be, you know, amazing, um, whether it's book clubs and, 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 and uh, um, libraries or, you know, and I, you know, I'd love to visit too. Um, and so, so let's definitely keep in touch about that. Um, and then I will say that, right, like, I do think that you're right, that, that not everyone, um, knows the history and content, right, the, and current relevance of racism in the United States. And in particular, immigrant communities, right, that anti-blackness is, is global. And right, that, that, that we know that the right immigrant communities coming are coming with their own notions of what race means in America. Um, and that, right, that, that, that could be problematic. Um, but then, right, that, that, that right, I, I think that, that it's important for us to talk about how racism is global because right there there are a few places in the world that were not colonized and so right that that, that um you know from colonization um you know in the, in the motherland to the, the legacy of slavery here that there are these histories that that impact the ways that we have developed the ways that we think um that that we need to acknowledge and understand um and then also to it's important i think for us to to kind of rescue the the memory of the change makers and the people who have fought against racism consistently around the globe um, and how we can use um, you know, our understanding of those struggles to empower ourselves and to, and to, to, you know, to, to do better in the work that we're trying to, to, to push forward now. 
Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much, Rob. You know, uh, I have so many questions and thoughts, but we are out of time. I want us to do a follow-up conversation, uh, but I really want us to connect about Africa because I, I do take groups to Africa. And one of the groups I've been planning and hoping to take, at least in the next year, is a group of writers and authors uh, so that you know you bring your books and promote it in in the in the motherland but we also do a retreat you know where we can you know engage with other writers and authors who are in the continent and uh, hopefully create collaborative projects hopefully record uh, podcast episodes together and hopefully you know just go deeper and uh, also go through uh, times of healing and uh, eat good food and enjoy and 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 just um, you know be in an environment where the work that we we do is uplifted in a in a completely different way. So if you're interested in that, uh, please let Nanda uh, reach out and uh, ensure that we are connected so that we can discuss further. But I just want to encourage you to continue doing the amazing work that you're doing and. Um, you know, me and my team will be here to support as much as we can. Thank you again so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. This is this is a great conversation. I'm so glad to be here and look forward to staying in touch. Excellent. Thank you so much. Africa Father in America. You are listening to African Father in America podcast by Simon Javanov.